In today's passage, Paul is choosing to witness in a difficult situation instead of finding and using a get-out-of-jail-free card. Now, why would he do that? Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. Join me today as we dive into episode 126 and we pray through Acts chapter 24. But before we do that, we're going to open with a bit of worship. It is Acts 24, 15, which says, I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, this is Paul in defense. He's, he's in the middle of his defense uh, in this verse. And we'll get to that later, but I want to pull a couple of things out here for, for worship. So let's just go ahead and get started. Thank you, Father, for this chance to come before you, for the privilege of being able to have this connection where at any moment I can just turn to you and say, I need help, or I love you because of this, or, oh my goodness, isn't the sun beautiful this morning? Like just anything, I can have a conversation with you and that's a privilege. That's not normally the response to an ultimately all-powerful God in the rest of all the religions on earth, and it is a privilege that we can count you as father and friend. As we go through this morning's prayer, I pray that you would give me the, the words and the energy and the thoughts that I need in order to have this, this time go the way you want it to. This is your time. Use it as you will. We honor you today for being not only all-powerful, but a God of resurrection, a God who is about making dead things alive, that we were dead in our sins and you made us alive, that humanity had chosen a route of death and you provided a way of life. Honor you for that today. I worship you for that today. That is amazing good news and the power of the gospel in all of our lives. And there will be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. We look in the future knowing that there will be a judgment day and that you are a righteous judge, that you have to be a righteous judge because, yeah, let's not go into the theology of that. That's probably way off track of where you want us to go today. I will just say I choose to worship you today as perfectly righteous, as holy, as a judge, as a God who brings dead things to life. I'm so grateful for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, friends, <laughs> let's get to chapter 24. Acts chapter 24 is where we are today. We see Paul defending himself, being accused by the Jews, defending himself before Felix. And we find that he has to defend himself against three accusations. You'll hear three things in the accusations that the Jews bring before the Roman governor. That he stirred up riots, that's one. That he was a ringleader of this Christian sect, that's two. And that he profaned the temple, that's three. Now, stirring up riots would have been the most serious charge to the Romans. And while flattering Felix, you're going to hear some very flattering opening statements from both Paul and the lawyer for the Jews. The lawyer for the Jews spoke nothing 
related even close to reality because Felix was not someone they would have flattered. He was born a slave, then freed and promoted because of political connections. A historian once said that he exercised the prerogatives of a king with the mentality of a slave. He was a terrible leader and the Jews hated him. Now, it was important for Paul to also convince the Romans that the way, which you'll hear Christianity referred to in this passage, the way was a continuation or fulfillment of the Jewish religion, not a new religion, because the Romans permitted practice of ancient religions of all kinds. They were very openly available to practice lots and lots of different religions, but the Romans did not like new religions. And so if the way was considered a new religion, this would have been against Roman practices. Also, you'll hear Felix's wife mentioned his marriage to Drusilla, who was the sister of Herod Agrippa, who will appear in the next chapter. Their marriage was a scandal because he deceptively got her to leave her first husband for him. One note says, by employing a magician. Paul's stay under Felix lasted for about two years until Felix was removed from office for mishandling riots in Caesarea between the Jews and the Gentiles, which is a bit ironic because essentially that's what brought Paul before him. So let's get to it. Acts chapter 24 starts out like this. Five days later, Ananias the high priest came down with some elders and a lawyer named Tertullus. These men presented their case against Paul to the governor. When Paul was called in, Tertullus began to accuse him and said, We enjoy great peace because of you, and reforms are taking place for the benefit of this nation because of your foresight. We acknowledge this in every way and everywhere, most excellent Felix, with utmost gratitude. But so that I will not burden you any further, I request that you would be kind enough to give us a brief hearing, for we have found this man to be a plague." an agitator among all the Jews throughout the Roman world and our ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to desecrate the temple and so we apprehended him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to discern the truth about these charges we are bringing against him. The Jews also joined the attack, alleging that these things were true. Let's stop there. Father, we often are in situations in our culture today where this same kind of opening with flattery in order to uh, get someone to do what we want is the typical response. And I pray that as we find ourselves in those situations, that we would not use that uh, as a mask for lying, no matter, no matter how badly we want an outcome. So it, it kind of feels to me, as I'm talking about it, like an ends justify the means situation. We can't be people of integrity and walk into situations making things up, even exaggerating to a degree in order to get someone to listen to us or do something that we want. And I pray that our integrity would be more important to us than getting an outcome in a way that damages our integrity. Scripture goes on to say, when the governor motioned for him to speak, Paul replied, Because I know you have been a judge of this nation for many years, I am glad to offer my defense in what concerns me. You can verify for yourself that it is no more than 12 days since I went up to worship in Jerusalem. They did not find me arguing with anyone or causing a disturbance among the crowd, either in the temple or in the synagogues or anywhere in the city. Neither can they prove the charges that they are now making against me. But I admit this to you. 
I worship the God of my ancestors according to the way, which they call a sect, believing everything that is in accordance with the law and written in the prophets. I have a hope in God, which these men themselves also accept, that there will be a resurrection both of the righteous and the unrighteous. I also strive to have a clear conscience toward God and men. After many years, I came to bring charitable gifts and offerings to my people. And while I was doing this, some Jews from Asia found me ritually purified in the temple, without a crowd and without any uproar. It is they who ought to be here before you to bring charges. If they have nothing against me, wait a minute, sorry, (laughs) I start that sentence over. And I'll tell you why this is important. Also, the Romans had a practice that an accuser and the accused needed to be face to face. And Paul realizes here that the Asian Jews that were, that caused the riot in the first place, that were accusing him of bringing the Gentile into the temple, weren't there. And so arguing that point was not going to make any difference because his accusers weren't really facing him. So Let me start that sentence again. Oh, where was I now? It is they who ought to be here before you to bring charges if they have anything against me. Or let these men here state what wrongdoing they found in me when I stood before the Sanhedrin. Other than this one statement I shouted while standing among them, today I am on trial before you concerning the resurrection of the dead. All right, let's pray through that section. First, Father, I see the the contrast of how Paul opens this argument before Felix. He says, because I know you have been a judge of this nation for many years, I'm here to defend myself. This was true. He had been a a governor for five or six years at this point, and Paul doesn't resort to flattery that would have been completely untrue. Maybe it affected how Felix felt about him, but it was more important for Paul to speak truth than to get out of get out of the situation he was in. And I pray that as we approach those kind of situations, that we would act the same way as Paul. He also says that he always strives to have a clear conscience toward God and men. And my prayer today is that I would also always strive to have a clear conscience before God and before men, and that I don't let one of those things push the other to the side. God says we are to love him and to love people. I pray that we would be exemplary in following that command, that Paul strove to do that his whole life, that that would also be our goal, that we would live with a clear conscience before God and man, loving them both to the utmost ability that we have. The verses go on to say, since Felix was well informed about the way, He adjourned the hearing, saying, When Lysias the commander comes down, I will decide your case. He ordered that the centurion keep Paul under guard, though he could have some freedom, and he should not prevent any of his friends from meeting his needs. Several days later, when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and listened to him on the subject of faith in Christ Jesus. Now, as he spoke about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix became afraid and replied, Leave for now, but when I have an opportunity, I will call you. At the same time, he was also hoping that Paul would offer him money. So he sent for him quite often and conversed with him. After two years had passed, Portius Festus succeeded Felix. And because Felix wanted to do the Jews a favor, he left Paul in prison. 
So most prisoners would have been released at the time that this changeover in government happened. But the Jews were angry with him already, and he wanted to kind of keep them as, as not angry as possible. So he left Paul in jail. But let's jump into praying through that portion. That's the end of the chapter, by the way. So when we wrap this, we'll be done. Father, Felix was well informed. He knew about the way, perhaps because of his wife. But head knowledge and heart knowledge are two completely different things. And he brought Paul in, gave him plenty of opportunity to discuss his beliefs, to hear about your gospel. And I am 100% sure that Paul told him of the gospel message over and over and over again in those two years, that he, would, that he sent for him quite often and conversed with him. I am sure that Paul explained the gospel to him, presented the gospel to him multiple times. Felix was not interested. He refused to become a believer. Instead, he was more interested in Paul offering him a bribe. Paul had every opportunity to do that. He could have he could have raised money and paid for this quote get out of jail free card by bribing Felix to let him go. Bribery was against the against the law in Rome but was rampant. Instead of that, he took the opportunity to stay in custody and witness to Felix for over 2 years. I pray that when we are presented with a way to get out of a difficult situation, one that we don't want to be in, one that is hard or is painful, and we have a way out or we have an opportunity to witness, my prayer would be that we would choose the witness, that we would listen to God and do what He directs us to instead of taking a way out of circumstances that we don't like, that we're uncomfortable in, that hurt. Pray that we would have the integrity of Paul and follow the example of being fully devoted to being obedient to your call in our lives. Make that true of us. Build that in us. Begin today to give us um, ways to exercise that muscle and to draw our hearts into deeper and deeper dependence and obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's it for today, friends. So thank you so much for joining me in prayer, whether you're here live or on replay. I'm so grateful for your participating with me in, in this prayer. And if you're watching on the Grace in the Gravel Road Facebook page, we will be back here live again on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central. I would love it if you would join us then again. If you're a podcast listener, subscribing to the show and sharing it with a friend allows us to reach more people so that they can also join us in prayer. Praying Scripture is brought to you by Grace in the Gravel Road, helping Christian women grow a God-first life and business. And my heart is that as you and I do this uh, twice a week as we pray together, that we will all grow in our prayer lives and that God will use this time to direct your heart in your own life as He does direct mine in my life. But most of all, I pray that you will fall deeper and deeper in love with the God who gave us these words. Amen. Amen.